Welcome back to the Society Case Files podcast. My name is Robert Hazelton, and I'll be your host. Today I'm going to talk about the Doctor Who board game. I've had a chance to play it. I'm going to talk about Doctor Who Flux, a little bit of World of Warcraft chat, and then I'm going to also talk about the Blood Rites event. There's a few other things here and there, and we'll get to those in just a moment. But since i got a lot to talk about, I'm going to dive right in. If you've been keeping up with my website or listening to this podcast at all, you probably figured out that I really like vampire stuff. Huge fan, watch a lot of movies, I've read a lot of books, play a lot of video games, and uh, I have a running joke with friends about how I can generally make the vampire in any given story into the protagonist pretty easily, even though it's usually ridiculous. But I thought I would take some time maybe not every single podcast, but uh, once in a while, to discuss a couple of vampire shows or movies that I'm watching. Because right now, I'm going through a uh, sort of old school, let's catch back up, let's see some things that I really loved from the past, and I want to kind of share some thoughts about those and maybe reintroduce you or completely introduce you to some stuff that has already been out for quite some time. Recently, we finished the Dark Shadows revival that came out in the 90s, and it was a lot of fun. Unfortunately, it does end with a cliffhanger for the most part. While it does wrap up the, the general storyline, there's there's a lot of little plot holes here and there that we just never got to fully explore. So that was very sad, but it's super fun, and you can find that on Hulu to watch in its entirety. It used to be on... Amazon Prime, but it has since moved. And totally worth it. I recommend watching it. It is really cheesy. It is still a gothic soap opera, but it's just so much fun. Uh, I read about it a little bit. It turns out that while the episodes were very big budget and they did have to update some things, uh, the original guy, Dan Curtis, is back and he he made the, the, the show. But one of the problems they had was that the Gulf War broke out during the uh, airing of it. And it was getting jostled around by coverage of the of the conflict. So it wasn't so much that the show did poorly as it was just in a very bad way. People did like it. It got good reviews at the time, apparently. But uh, that's what happened to it. Uh, those of you who don't know, I'm sure you know at least about Dark Shadows from the Johnny Depp movie that came out. But maybe you don't know about the old show with Jonathan Frid and all that craziness. And that went on forever. I think there's over 1,200 episodes total. The other day I was looking into some of those and I saw that they have some amazing storylines. I had no idea they did a whole arc about like H.P. Lovecraft monsters taking over Barnabas and that sort of thing. Oftentimes they were taking from classic literature or other horror authors and uh, Dark Shadow, giving it the Dark Shadow treatment. And that's kind of neat. So what the revival did was it uh, took a bunch of the best ideas from the old show and crammed them into these uh, longer episodes, uh, longer per episode stories that branched 13 episodes before it uh, was taken off the air. So it's not a huge commitment to watch this. We did it in less than a week, and I actually had watched several of the episodes by myself and then my wife wanted to watch it again too so we just started over and it was no hardship at all it's super fun speaking of that just briefly i watched the pilot for the failed attempt to revitalize it again for um, the same network that does vampire diaries and honestly it was kind of terrible so i don't uh, fault them for not picking that one up but uh, it had a cool cast i just feel like they were rushed for their pilot and that didn't do them any favors 
But anyway, the show in question is the Dark Shadows uh, revival from the 90s, and you should definitely take a look at that. Again, it's super fun. The other show that we're working through, and we're pretty much halfway done, is Blood Ties. That's the Canadian vampire show based on the Tanya Huff novels. And that came out uh, in the 2000s. I think it came out the same year as the Blade TV show, which we'll be watching, and I'll talk about that later. Uh, Blood Ties is, is it's pretty fun. It kind of suffers from the same thing that, like, Forever Night did and uh, other shows where the character is extremely old but has to make ridiculous mistakes that they probably would never make due to the fact that they're very old and also the fact that many of the cases remind them of something that happened in such a way that they're suddenly Miss Marple or whatever. Um, It's still really good. Um, There are some repeated uh, conversations that were really unnecessary, um, often with the detective and the private eye, but if you can get past some of that stuff, there is a lot of fun to be had. Uh, They are Monster of the Week with a small amount of meta plot, so that's also kind of fun, and it makes it easy to jump into. So I do recommend checking out Blood Ties. That is on Amazon Prime, at least right now. I bought the first season of that on iTunes, but the second season was not and still is not available. have it on DVD as well, if it ever goes away. But uh, Blood Ties follows a vampire who is essentially the illegitimate child of Henry VIII, and... He is a uh, vampire living in Toronto. He's like a graphic artist, uh, a graphic novel artist, I should say. And he starts working with this detective who is no longer with the police because she's got a a, a problem with her eyes that is making her uh, blind. The the first episode, from what I understand, it's a two-part pilot. It actually covers one of the books uh, that Tanya Huff wrote, and it it is uh, probably... And I can't speak from experience, but I have heard that it is at least moderately close to following the story. So uh, another one that I think is absolutely worth your time, at least to watch the pilot and see if it's something you want to continue on with, uh, Blood Ties. Check that one out. Um, In the next couple of uh, podcasts, I want to cover a movie I watched called Portraits. I can't tell you much more than that other than it is a uh, remake of Carmilla. I did watch that, and I'll talk about it. And I want to talk about the movie Salem's Lot. After we finish Blood Ties, we're going to watch Kindred the Embraced. I have that on DVD. I can't find it anywhere online, but it's super fun. It was a short-lived Vampire the Masquerade TV show from uh, Aaron Spelling, of all people. And we're also going to watch the uh, Blade series that I mentioned before. We've actually got quite the list, and I'll talk about them as we come up. But uh, there's lots of vampire movies. I've even watched some other ones that if I uh, recall them and, and get them into my notes, I'll, I'll bring them up too. But uh, those those were the two shows in particular that we did get into that I thought you guys might want to check out. So moving on from vampire shows, I'd like to talk to you about the Doctor Who board game. Now this came out, actually, um, I thought I saw that it came out in 2017. And I had no idea. And actually, a lot of people who saw my pictures on Facebook and such, they didn't they didn't know about it either. I got to say, it is super fun. But it is so much like Elder Signs. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Once you know how to play Elder Signs, you pretty much know how to play the Doctor Who game. The biggest challenge from the Doctor Who game is that there are a lot of steps that you have to follow 
in order to have a chance of success um, to, to win. Now, our first try, we got our asses kicked real bad. Um, the second time, we understood the rules better. We knew how to do certain things, and we actually did win. But that was by taking out the hardest of the uh, of the of the different cards, because there's um, there's the there there are these time anomalies that come up, and they they add excessive challenge to the game. So the rules tell you that if you're really new to the game, you take out specific cards and dilemmas that have this one sigil on them, and that makes the game a little bit easier for you to go through. And I think that was a good idea for us so that we could really grasp what we were doing. So let me give you a brief rundown of how the game works. Essentially, you are playing as one of the doctors, and the Daleks are attempting to get to Gallifrey. Whoever gets there first, Doctor or Gal- uh, Doctor or Dalek, wins the game. Along the way, in order to move, you have to go on adventures, which you can think of as exactly like the show. Uh, you have multiple choices. You can go to Earth. There's three time zones on Earth. There is like far future, present, and distant past. And then there are random locations, and they're in this massive deck that you can go and travel to. Now think of those as the places that you'd seen in in any of the TV shows. And actually, they are from the shows uh, because they are drawn from the entire series, from the first Doctor all the way up to Peter Cabaldi. Um, so what you do is uh, you, you lay out the board. You've got this this web of time, as they call it, and it basically has this long track that you follow to get to Gallifrey. And along the way, there are these time anomalies that are um, in your way. Now, you can pass right through them as the doctor, but when the Daleks pass through them, you draw a time anomaly card, which provides a new challenge, or it may even be something that you have to go and address, as in you move to it and then you attempt to overcome the challenge with some dice rolling, which I'll discuss those in a second. On the normal gameplay, you have a dice that is basically the TARDIS die. And what you do is you roll that when it's your turn to move, and if it comes up as a TARDIS, you draw two of the location cards and you decide which one you want to put down. That's you getting to go where you'd like to go. If it comes up as a question mark, the TARDIS knows better than you, and you just take the first location card off the top of the deck, put it down, and then you go there. That's where you get to be. So then you take these dilemmas. So the location is where the episode takes place. The dilemmas themselves are the actual episode. And whether it says something like Weeping Angels or um, are Are You My Mummy, those kind of things, those are the types of dilemmas you have. And basically how it works is the location has a number of dice on it, whether it's two or three. And then the dilemma has some dice, whether that's two to three. I haven't seen four as far as I know. And then they each have a symbol on them. And you compile a dice pool based on your equipment and your companions and your doctor. And then you roll those dice and attempt to get those symbols. So uh, it can get pretty challenging because... When you first start out, especially, your doctor and one companion don't have that many dice. So if you ended up on a space that had to have six dice to roll and you only had four, you're done. You just you cannot win it. So it's that kind of thing. You've got to kind of uh, determine if you're going to even be able to handle a challenge just by looking at the location and seeing how many dice are on that. And that sort of gives you an idea of how difficult it'll be. 
Uh, it is a cooperative game, so if you're playing with two or more players, you can call upon assistance from the other doctor. They can come to your aid. Uh, they can lend dice to the dice pool, but they still roll their own dice pool. And there's expenses for that and that sort of thing. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, this game is incredible amounts of fun. I absolutely love it. It's probably one of my favorite board games that I have come across in a while. It is extremely challenging. We only won because we weren't using the super hard time anomaly cards. Had we been using those or the dilemmas that have them on them, we probably would have lost even our second game. But it is just really neat. There are so many little nuances. I highly recommend that you give it a try. I'm, I'm really tempted to film a game of it, of us playing and then and putting it up or streaming it because it is it's just really neat to uh, to witness how it how it plays out. And there's a lot of strategy involved. There's there's dice rerolls you can do. There's changing the faces. There's things to spend your um, your your resources on to to make it more favorable for you and that sort of thing. And uh, and lots of interesting rewards. I have to say that the designers. I watched a, an interview with one of them. His he said their goal was to really make it feel like you were in a Doctor Who adventure. And I have to admit, they they succeeded. It really does feel like you're playing through an episode. So definitely worth your time. Now, the small drawback is that they promised to put out these expansions that would have the other Doctors. So. When you buy the original game, you get uh, the first Doctor, the fourth Doctor, the eleventh Doctor, and the twelfth Doctor. And then all the other Doctors were supposed to be in expansions. Now, I have picked up almost all of them. I have to admit, I do have almost all of them. So we've got the tenth uh, and fifth Doctor come in one set. And they come with all of their dilemmas, their companions, and a bunch of locations that are specific to them, as well as equipment cards and that sort of thing. Then there was the second and sixth Doctor. Uh, that one I also picked up. Then there was the ninth and seventh. So at this point, we're missing the third and the eighth Doctor. Now, I've seen the box, and I've seen people claim they have it, but I don't think it's released. So that means that you do technically have all but two of the Doctors available to you. And it is kind of important because there are moments where you'll be playing and the, the, the failure for a dilemma will be that you have to regenerate. And in those cases, you regenerate to the next consecutive Doctor. And if you're already at 12, then you start back over at 1. Sometimes it says all Doctors regenerate. Um, let me tell you the basic premise of the story. Davros has decided that the best way to conquer the universe is to write the Doctor out of the universe. So all of the Doctor's incarnations are attempting to defy that. And so that's the basic story, and that's how they're all sort of working together. Um, so I don't know when the third and the eighth Doctor are going to come out. It'll be really awesome when they do, because then you will literally have every Doctor. At that point, I'm not sure what else they could put out. But I do have some pictures up on my uh, Facebook page for the Society Case Files. And if you want to hop over there and like the page, you'll be able to see them. You can see these massive stacks of dilemmas and locations. There are so many. We, we have played twice, and we didn't see anything uh, a second time. Um, and I think that with those last two, it'll just be absolutely crazy. There will be so much to do. It'll be pretty much like having multiple expansions for Elder Signs. 
um, which which at this point has so many cards and locations, it's pretty much nuts too. So, um, Elder Signs is a lot easier as far as compiling your dice pool because you don't really have to figure out which dice you've got or swap them out. That is an added complexity to the Doctor Who game. But I think that that complexity is really what makes it fun. I'm not going to say more fun than Elder Sign because Elder Sign is great. But it does have an that just, I don't know, there's just something about it that's really, really cool that you're sitting here strategizing about how to get the right dice to pull it off. See, there's three colors of dice. There's the black dice, which have every symbol on them. There's the blue dice, which has sort of a leaning towards science. There's green dice that have a leaning towards social. And then there's red dice that have a leaning towards violence. So if I said three, I apologize. There's actually four. You can swap out the black ones to more heavily weigh your dice rolls towards a specific symbol. And that's that's the added complexity I really like. That's the strategy that I find really uh, exciting about the game. So anyway... If you haven't given it a look or you didn't even know about it, the Doctor Who board game by Gale Force 9 is a lot of fun and it's definitely worth your time. I'd highly recommend checking it out. And this is a perfect segue into Flux. I don't know, you probably already know about Flux. There are tons of different Flux games out there. Uh, there's zombie ones and there's monster, um, like universal horror monster style ones. Firefly, I think, has one. And... Uh, I have three different Flux decks, and one is the Monsters one, the movie Monsters one with Frankenstein and Dracula and all those. Then I have the um, Call of Cthulhu one, because that's our household. We have lots of Cthulhu stuff. And then finally, I just got the Doctor Who Flux. And I'm going to say it is a lot of fun. It's still Flux. If you know what Flux is, then you know what to expect, and you pretty much know what you're going to get. Basically, you... Um, start a flux game and you have some basic rules and the rule is draw one card play one card Uh, you start with a hand of three and then as you play you find a goal and the goal might be something like in the Doctor Who game have a Doctor and the Sonic Screwdriver out at the same time and if you do you win and that's it and a flux game can last five minutes or it can last much longer our longest one so far with Doctor Who with two players was about 15 minutes um it's the, gra- the 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 artwork on these cards is the, it's really great. Um, the play itself is super fast, as you would expect from Flux, and it's just all around absolutely worth it. I was very happy that I spent that fifteen bucks, and again, I really do feel that our three Flux decks speak more about our household than any other description I could possibly give it. Um, if you're looking for a new flavor of Flux because you've played out your other versions, then give the Doctor Who one a try. It was really neat, and it has a lot of great flavor. So let's move into some video game conversations. I want to talk about some World of Warcraft. I'm back on playing World of Warcraft. I just can't seem to get away. Now, I do have a very solid reason beside the fact that I was just excited by a couple of uh, small things that they announced. But uh, just to discuss in general, what I've been doing. I'm going for the little fox race. I want to unlock those and and play them. To unlock the fox race, you have to get exalted with them and complete their storyline mission. Well, completing their storyline mission was no problem, but getting exalted with them has been a real labor. The only real way to do it is to do these world quests. I'm finding some other ways here and there, but it's not... It's not consistent enough to to even use it as advice, but 
So far, I'm getting there slowly but surely, and eventually I'll have those Fox characters. So along the way, I decided, you know, there's a whole lot of things I just never did in World of Warcraft. I didn't finish the Legion expansion uh, storyline. I didn't finish... uh, I I haven't finished a lot of these storylines, to be honest. So I decided that that's what I was going to do. And in the same breath, I wanted to unlock another one of the allied races, and that is the the, uh, Nightfallen, Nightborn elf characters on the Horde side. And I thought, wow, this won't take me very much time. I've already done a bunch of these zones in Legion, so I'll just bust out Soromar and it will be no big deal. Well, that was a big wrong. Uh, Soromar took me a long time. I mean, it was only a couple of days, but it was some heavy play days. Uh, I finally got through the first two parts, and now I'm on the last big... uh, um, achievement in order to unlock that uh, unlock that race. It has been really harsh because navigating that zone is very painful and getting around there is nuts. So I can't necessarily say it's been fun as far as gameplay is concerned, but I have absolutely loved the story. The story for it has been a lot of fun. If you haven't already done it, I recommend it, providing you have a lot of patience. Because if you have patience, you will really enjoy that story. It was super neat. Um, In other parts of the game, you know, I'm really looking forward to this uh, expansion, Shadowlands. I did pre-order it. And um, you you get a bonus for pre-ordering it, and that is the ability to make a Death Knight out of any race in the game, which used to be restricted. Um, But it, uh, it, it actually looks quite a bit of fun. So I'm looking forward to that one as well. Along the way, I'm just going to try and bust out a whole bunch of old content that I didn't do before and uh, see what I I get out of it. So far, it has really been like coming back to an old friend and enjoying the experience again. I know that there's supposedly a lot of new bugs and people have been complaining about a lot of stuff, but maybe I'm just not hardcore enough to have noticed them or come across them yet. Um, but all around, I would say that uh, right now is a great time to try World of Warcraft. It runs great. It looks pretty darn cool. I think they've done a great job of updating many of the graphics. And um, all around, I'm just I'm having a great time. So if you are in the market for an MMO that has way more content than any one person can get through in a swift order, then I highly recommend giving it another shot. Um, it's not that bad. As far as the cost is concerned, of course, it does have a subscription, and that in this day and age is a little bit of a problem. But um, in any event, I'm having a great time, so highly recommend it. I want to talk next about the fact that I have an event coming up, and I know that if you're listening to this after the uh, end of the month of January, then it's probably come and gone. But my animated uh, short film Blood Rights is going to come out on uh, this week on Friday the 24th and I will be doing a commentary uh, about it. So basically what I plan to do is uh, I'm going to have it ready to go and available online at noon that day and I have invited a lot of people to just watch it from noon to 7. Just just take 16 minutes out of your day and watch the movie And then hop over to the Facebook group and chat about it. Now, I might actually post the Discord channel as well and make it easier for people to come in and chat. 
Um, but I'll have both up because I'm I'm going to be hanging out, uh, working and and typing some stuff and maybe doing some graphics. But at seven o'clock, I'm planning on screening the film and chatting over it for people so that they can listen to what I have to say, uh, sort of a director's commentary uh, on the project. And I'll record that and have that as a, a supplemental thing on the coffee page so that people can hear what I have to say. Mostly I'm going to talk about how I made it, the challenges I had, what I learned, where I cut corners, that sort of thing. Um, All around, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, especially if you're interested in seeing how my visual storytelling took shape over the course of a year and a half. And yeah, it is only 16 minutes and it did take that long. But in my defense, I didn't actually work on it through that entire time. So... It's uh, it's not like uh, I was putting in hours, even even an hour every day. It was it was big clips and, and, and stops where I would run and dash and do a whole bunch of work and then just have to take a break because uh, oftentimes I'd run into a technical challenge or I couldn't figure out how to do something and I needed to essentially take some time and think about it or even do some research or take a class. Uh, so lots of stuff had to happen in order to make it happen. But um, in any event, that is happening on the 24th of January, 2020. If you haven't uh, taken a look at the Society Case Files uh, Facebook page, you can uh, sign up for the event or just show up. And uh, I'll also have it on the actual web page itself. And everyone's invited, and I'd look forward to hearing what you have to say and see what you thought of it. One last thing on that, since this is based on a comic and that comic is available on the coffee page, what I'm going to do is post it somewhere else, possibly on Tapastic, as its own comic so that after watching the movie, if you want to see how different it is from my actual comic and what, what essentially was my storyboard, you'll be able to do so, um, which I think will be a lot of fun, especially for anybody who is actually working in this in this avenue, trying to make movies or trying to do comics or even just write novels, uh, whatever the case, I think you'll you'll have you'll you'll get something out of it. So that's happening, and I really look forward to hearing what you have to say. Final thing I want to talk about is a little bit somber. I lost my kitty over the weekend, and he was he was roughly 13 years old. We didn't really know how old he was because uh, when my wife adopted him before we even met. He uh, he was he was a little stunted. He'd been abused. Uh, he was he was a he was a hard case. And through his entire life that I knew him, uh, he was a skittish guy. He was really timid. People used to joke that he was a myth uh, because he was never visible in in the house when someone would come over. He was uh, he was this beautiful gray cat, super fluffy. And he was a lot of fun. He had so much personality. Even though we couldn't really physically interact with him, we couldn't cuddle him or pet him that often, he just had so much about him that filled up a room. And it's it's incredible how much this guy, who didn't sit on my lap nor come and visit me other than the times he wanted to eat, really impacted my life. And I have so many stories about him. I'm not going to get into all of them now, but... I've written a great blog entry that discusses some of them, but it's 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 something I really felt like I needed to talk about. It did his his passing did delay the podcast because honestly I was I was in mourning for my friend. He's he was such a cool guy. Uh, in the last 
two months of his life, he was struggling with his thyroid, and he was very thin. And in that time, I finally got to interact with him. He came to us. We were working with him. We were giving him medicine. We were working really hard. And he, you know, I always used to joke with him because he would come in and scream for his dinner. And it wouldn't be time yet. You know, we had a time that, that the kiddies ate, and that was usually around 7 p.m. And he'd be begging at 6.15 or something. And I'd always joke with him, hey, if you come right up to me right now and let me pat you on the head, I will feed you instantly. Well, in the last month, that's what he started to do. He'd come right up. He'd even put his paw on me. And, you know, this is a cat that if you turned the wrong way, just with your torso, not even your feet, he'd be gone. He'd run. And here he is now. We were practically tripping on him because he was so friendly and he had he had bounced back. And I had so much hope that that the medicine was helping and it, and it really wasn't. So um, I wanted to talk about it because it is just so impactful. And, you know, the first few days I was really just grief struck and, and and had a hard time functioning. But it's been a few days now. And the positive sides of my friend Cloud have really inspired me. His survival instinct, the fact that he had been through horror as a kitten, that we don't know what it was specifically, but it was enough to make him hide under the bed and be timid and not really an affectionate cat. All of those things, he still got over his anxiety. He still came out to eat his dinner. He still allowed us to help him with a urinary tract infection when he was younger. I mean, all of these little things have really inspired me. And and I challenge you to think about something that, in a sense, is negative. In this case, I mean, I was absolutely devastated. And at the lowest I'd been in a long time because of that loss. And I'm just now finding this way to turn it into a positive thing, to look at his life and, and pull the positive out of it, as opposed to just be very sad and, and unhappy about it. So I really challenge you to do the same. I know it's hard. Believe me. I was, uh, I, I, I straight up, I cried myself sick the first day when we took him to the emergency vet and had to make that really hard call. But, um, you can, you can see my tribute to him. I did a couple of pieces of art. He is the cat who saw the future and that's going to be book four of the Sanctum Guardian series. Uh, and, and he'll be the star. He, he was actually put into the book prior to passing. I had written him in. Uh, basically the mythos that we made up about him just by his personality and the way he interacted with us has made it into the book. Um, and, and, and that's, that's just how I'm going to honor him. But anyway, um, I don't want to go too far into that anymore because it is, it is a really sad subject. I'm trying to keep things more happy with the podcast, but, uh, if you do have any of those situations, it doesn't necessarily have to be a pet, but any any negative, maybe you can try and find something inspirational about it to, to move on. For me, it was to uh, throw myself back into some some different kinds of work, to really work on the cat who bit the demon and, and get that moving and to enjoy playing some World of Warcraft. That's why I went back in a lot of ways was to get some old friend time to remind myself of something that was really positive. Uh, whatever it takes. I know that especially in this day and age, we've got a lot more to be unhappy about than we do to be happy about in some cases. So it's important to take the positive where we can get it. And uh, I hope that wasn't all too preachy, but it was really awesome for me to talk about. And I do hope it helps someone out there. 
All right, that's it for this week. Thank you very much for stopping by. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to know more about my projects or support this one, go ahead and visit me at www.ko-fi.com slash societycasefiles. And if you just want to check out the website and see what I've got going on, you can visit www.societycasefiles.com. Thanks very much. Hope to see you next week. Have a great one.